for healing It's a season for change To see miracles happen that no one can fathom as heaven invades And it's more than a feeling And it's anchored in praise And when it's the darkest it reaches the farthest and opens the
tell me lest I forget who I am to you that I belong to you
looked over everything, every thought, every feeling, God. Your presence covers our heart and our soul and our mind. God, I want to lift up everyone as a part of this body this morning that you're here as a living. I'm proclaiming the name of Jesus. I'm not just speaking, but I'm going to proclaim it this morning. God, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart, over every mind, because I know there is no peace within your presence. God, it's the reassurance of knowing that. We don't just think that, we know it. I'm going to be 100% honest right now. None of us really know this song very well. I think we're going to skip right to the chorus and we're just going to sing that. Um, but sing it out with us because I really do think this song is so powerful. It's so beautiful and it's just so covered and anointed with the Holy Spirit that He'll carry it for us.
worship team. Good morning, everybody. You may be seated. Welcome to New Promise Church, and welcome to all of the, those of you that are watching us online this morning. Let's get that light on uh, right away. Thank you, and welcome. I know we have some visitors in the room with us this morning, so if you're visiting with us and this is your first time, if you uh, want to take a connection card from the seat back pocket that's right there in front of you and simply fill out the, the first side of it, maybe your name, a phone number, or your email address, we would love to send you a thank you email for visiting with us this morning and, and being here. And then on the back side of that connection card, this is kind of the all play side for everybody, we have prayer requests and praise reports. We know that it's very important that prayer is here at New Promise Church, and we like to pray with and for one another. So if you've got something you need God to do in you and through you, then simply write down the, the highlights, the headlines of that prayer request, and then if you've got a praise report, something that you just want to proclaim God's glorious work among the people that God has done in your life, then fill that out in the praise report section at the lower part of their card. Thank you, guys. And just uh, turn it in either at the welcome desk as you leave this morning or in the offering boxes at the back of the auditorium as you leave. And we'll make sure that that gets into the office and that we will be praying with you or that we will be praising and rejoicing with you at what God has either you need him to do in you and through you or he has done in you and through you. Um, 
apparently something happened between the, uh, the first and the second service this morning. I'm not really sure what, because I just walked in at the beginning of the first song. Um, but that last song, uh, the band actually doesn't know it. Somebody uh, who usually takes the lead on that song, something must have happened, and they weren't able to be with us for the second service. And so that's why it just kind of... Uh, ended the way it ended this morning and everything. Hey, and sometimes that stuff happens. Um, and so God is still on the throne. God is still doing a good thing. And God has still got a good word for us this morning. Amen? Amen. Say a big loud amen. 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 All righty. Amen. Um, if you want, please take your uh, Bibles and turn them to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And for those of you that came uh, through the rain, we prayed for you, by the way, in the first service this morning, because we heard that there was supposed to be a pretty intense uh, line of thunder showers going through the area, uh, right as you would be driving here uh, this morning. And so we prayed that either the, the clouds would abate and God would blow them away, or that he would make a way for you when there seems to be no way uh, to get here safely and everything else. So I just want you to know that we were praying for you this morning, and in between the service, I noticed that it is raining outside, um, but it looks drivable and everything else so glad you got here safely and everything and glad that you're joining us here in person and joining us online from wherever you are this morning as we turn to god's word this morning in mark chapter one let's pray heavenly father we thank you lord uh for the sunny days we even thank you father for the rain showers uh during life because you know exactly what the earth needs you know exactly what we need and you know when we need it father and we've had tons and tons of sunny sundays here at new promise church and today we're getting getting quite the rainstorm outside and everything but father as much as we pray for you to to radiate on the sunny days for you to radiate in our lives today father we thank you for saturating us with your scripture this morning saturating us with your word father because when you rain your word down upon us good things grow in us and through us to the people around us and so this morning lord jesus as we begin a new series looking at how you spoke to people in mark's gospel father i simply ask you to anoint my lips to preach and anoint our ears to hear anoint our minds to understand and our hearts to receive everything that you have for us because we can learn a lot about our relationship with you by listening to how you talked with people around you in mark's gospel and so father now we just ask you to anoint your word bless your word to us and bless us to your word now in jesus name and everybody said Can you bring me my coffee, please, uh, right next to you? Thank you. All righty. Now, the reason I asked you to turn to Mark chapter 1, thank you, is because I want to start a new series this week that'll go um, for the next several weeks that talk about having conversations with Christ out of Mark's gospel. Because I think that you can learn a lot about people by listening how they talk to people and by watching how they interact with people. And, and I think that definitely applies to Jesus. 
And so what we can learn out of Mark's gospel is we can learn what to expect of Jesus, how Jesus interacts and, and relates to us and speaks to us by the way that he interacted with and spoke with the people back when he was on the earth in speaking to people in Mark's gospel. So we're going to extrapolate those conversations that they had with Christ. We're going to extrapolate them into our lives today because the same things that Jesus said way back when, they still apply in our lives today. And so I've chosen Mark's gospel. Now Mark's gospel, for those of you who may or may not know, is actually Peter's gospel. Uh, Mark was a helper of Peter. Mark was actually a helper of Paul and Barnabas too in Acts chapter 15 until the going got tough, Mark got going. Um, at the end of Mark's gospel in Mark 16, there's actually a mention of a young man who ran away abruptly when Jesus was being arrested and many people think that that's Mark referring to himself as the guy who ran away. So Mark wasn't really built for the, the heat of battle and for the heat of confrontation and stuff. I get that picture of Mark from the little bit that we know of him. And so Mark tends to run away when the going gets tough. Mark really gets going and everything. And that's what happened when he was a helper of Paul and Barnabas in Acts 15. And, and then Paul got upset that Mark had run off when the going got tough. And so when they were getting ready to go on their next missionary journey, um, Barnabas said, eh, we got to give Mark another chance. And Paul was like, I don't want any part of that at all. I don't, want, I don't want people who run away when the going gets tough. And so the argument became so hard between ba Barnabas and Paul that Scripture tells us they actually split, split apart. And Paul took Silas as a helper and continued on. And Barnabas uh, took Mark under his wing for a short time. And then sometime, at some point, Mark wound up being a helper of Peter. Now, he had known Peter from Acts chapter 12. When Peter was released from the Jerusalem jail, Acts 12 tells us that Peter went to John Mark's mother's house. And so John Mark was probably there as well. Remember, that's when Peter was pounding at the door, and the servant girl, Rhoda, answered. And she said, Peter's at the door, and they were, they were having a prayer meeting at the time, and they were so men and women of faith and power for the hour that they didn't believe her. They said, oh, you must have seen his ghost or something like that, right? Well, that was all at John Mark's house. And so John Mark began his relationship with Peter at that point, helped Paul and Barnabas for a while, and then wound up, history tells us, helping out Peter through, through the, uh, the end of Peter's ministry, so to speak. Now, Mark's gospel is the earliest gospel of our, all four gospels. It was written and released somewhere in the mid-50s as a first account eyewitness of Jesus um, doing the things that only God can do in our lives. Jesus doing radical things that caused radical changes to happen in people's lives, both on earth and for eternity in heaven. And there are a few things about Mark's Gospels that are unique that we need to understand as we go into it. Mark's Gospel has a very abrupt beginning. Um, right after a very short introduction, it's got the shortest introduction of all four Gospels, right after that, it all of a sudden, bam, John came preaching a baptism of repentance. And then just shortly after that, bam, Jesus is baptized, right? And so there seems to be a sense of immediacy in Mark's gospel, going from one thing to another very abruptly, very quickly. And so um, the word immediate 
actually appears over 40 times, I think it's 42 times in Mark's gospel, the word immediately or immediate appears. Now, usually it's immediately or immediate, but sometimes you're going to see a phrase that says like at once. Well, that means immediately, okay? Sa same Greek word, just translated different, because when you go from Greek into especially English, you have a few different words or phrases you can choose from, and it depends what the translator choose to use in those moments. But the phrase immediately also means at once or intentionally or urgently. Like in verse 12, where it says, As soon as Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit comes down upon him, and immediately, at once, he is led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. So what's very unique about Mark's gospel is it gives us a sense of urgency, of intentionality. Uh, things don't just happen. They happen on purpose, with a purpose. They happen with an intensity in Mark's gospel, which is actually Peter's gospel, which makes perfect sense. Because as you study Peter in the gospels and in, in Acts and in, even in his letters, uh, First and Second Peter, you get the profile of Peter that he is a very action-packed type of a person. He doesn't focus. The way God wired him, he doesn't focus on parables, because there's no parables in Mark's gospel, by the way. He doesn't focus on philosophies and conversation and things like that. He does a little bit on conversations, but not on like philosophy and stuff. Peter is very honed in on actions, things that Jesus does intentionally and with a sense of urgency and immediately that causes radical change in people's lives, which shows us that Jesus is the God who does not hesitate to initiate in our lives. That's one of the greatest things about Mark's gospel, is that it shows us that Jesus is the God who does not hesitate to initiate radical change in our lives. Alrighty? So let's, let's start in Mark chapter 1. I basically just highlighted the first 13 verses, so I want to start in verse 14. If you have your Bibles, it's going to be Mark 1, verse 14. If you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, that's all right. The words are going to be up on the screen. Verse 14, uh, going to about verse 28. So it says that after John, that's John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, that the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, that's going to be Simon Peter, Mark's Gospel, Simon Peter, for those of you who might not know who Simon is. He saw Simon Peter and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. He said to them, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And there's that word, immediately, at once, immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. Now when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Now the word preparing, you might see the word equipping there. It's the, the Greek word harpazo. It means the same thing, to equip, to prepare, to repair their nets, right? They're getting ready to go fishing. So they're preparing their nets to do that. Now here's that word again. Immediately, without delay, that means immediately, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogues and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. Underline that part in your Bible. Very important. We're going to come back to that in a minute. 
He taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law taught. Just then, a man who was possessed by an impure spirit, that means a demon, he cried out, What do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? For I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Actually, I don't think he said it that way. I don't think he raised his voice. I think he just, I'll explain it in a minute, but I think Jesus just went, be quiet. He said sternly, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority. He even gives orders to the impure spirits and they obey him. Now, news about Jesus spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. <clears throat> the first thing that we notice about this very abrupt and short conversation that demons had with Jesus is that Jesus is in complete command and control because he's the guy with authority. He speaks as one with authority. It says that two times in what we read. Now, that's very important. He speaks as though with one with authority. In Greek, the word authority is the word exousia. It's where we get the word authority, executive, author, and the idea of being the CEO of the company. In other words, the one who's in executive command and control, the one who's in, in charge. That's the one who's got authority. And Jesus was speaking as if he was the one in charge of everything. That's what distinguished his teachings from the Pharisees' teachings. You see, when the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the preach, priests, when they taught and they preached and when they pontificated upon God and God's word, they weren't preaching, teaching, and pontificating as if they were the author, as if they were the CEO, as if they were the one in charge. No, when they taught, they were teaching about God. They were teaching about God's word. But when Jesus talked, he was talking as God. And he was talking as God's word. And the people recognized this. They recognized the difference between people who talk about something and someone else as opposed to people who seem to be talking about themselves. Seem to be talking about what they say goes. Seems to be talking about when they're talking about God's word, they're talking like it's their own very words coming out of his mouth. Now underline that because that's going to become important at the end of this message. So you see, the religious people of the day, they lacked the authority that Jesus just naturally had because Jesus is God. And they are just people talking about God. Religious leaders are like that. Religious people are like that. I'll be as sincere as they may be as they're teaching, preaching, and pontificating about God or about whatever it is that, that they're talking about spiritually. They lack that relationship of authority with that which they're talking about. That's the difference between people who are in relationship and people who are just religious. Albeit as sincere as religious people might be, 2 Timothy 3, 5, it says it's these people who have a form of godliness, but they deny or they lack the power thereof or the authority thereof. That's, well, that's what the Pharisees were like. But Jesus was different than the Pharisees. Jesus, every time he spoke, he spoke as commander-in-chief, and every time he said something, it happened. 
it happened in people's lives. He affected radical change in people's lives just by speaking because he spoke as one who had authority because he's the one in authority. And of course, people recognize that. They, they recognize the difference by comparison in contrast from one who's speaking about something for, between that and the one who is speaking uh, words of authority and words of power that, re, that affect change, impact change, immediate change into people's lives and things. I mean, no wonder the religious right of his day didn't like him, and no wonder they were threatened by him. He didn't talk how they talked. He didn't talk like they talked. And he could do things that they couldn't do. They couldn't do the things that Jesus did. You know, here we're talking about Jesus having an incredibly short conversation with a demon. Makes me wonder if the Pharisees ever encountered demon-possessed people. And if they ever tried to quiet down a demon or cast out a demon. It makes me wonder if they felt as though they needed to shout to, to be louder than the demon and quiet that demon down. And it makes me wonder how frustrated they must have been when it didn't happen. It makes me wonder how frustrated they must have gotten when they were shouted down by demons and demons wouldn't listen to them and demons were distracting people from their teaching and things like that. And then here comes Jesus. And I don't think Jesus raised his voice. Now, I know it says he said sternly, but you can be stern but quiet at the same time. You just go to any police officer. A police officer knows how to be quiet and stern at the same time. You know, sometimes I, I, I tend to picture in moments like these, I tend to picture Jesus maybe a little bit like, like Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood either in his, in his cowboy movies, his western movies, or Dirty Harry movies, right? Because if you ever notice, Clint Eastwood's character never raises his voice. As he's talking to the bad guys, telling the bad guys what to do, and he never yells. You know, I mean, Clint Eastwood doesn't yell in Dirty Harry. Just Clint Eastwood just looks with those steely eyes. Says, "You feel lucky, punk. Man's got to know his limitations." You know, I honestly kind of picture Jesus a little bit like this in this situation, because Jesus doesn't have to raise his voice. He doesn't have to hoop, holler, and yell. Jesus is the one in authority, so he simply speaks with authority. And so I think Jesus looked at those demons and just said, be quiet, and they were quiet. And Jesus said, get out of them, or get out of him, because it was a demon-possessed man. Get out of him. And the demons shrieked and got out of him. You know, it was the demons who were yelling. But when you're the one in authority speaking with authority, you don't have to raise your voice, because you know you got the authority. All you have to do is be in command and control and give the orders in the situation. And Jesus is the one in authority, command, and control. He speaks as one with authority, and every time he says something, it just happens. Why? Because Jesus is God. And God is in supreme command and control of everything on earth and under the earth. So Jesus is the one who speaks with the authority of God because Jesus is is God. That's the first thing that distinguishes Jesus in this part of the conversation from everything else. Now let's look at another conversation he has right behind this, starting in verse 29. As soon as they had left the synagogue, so as soon as. Now that's, to me, that's very close to almost being immediately again. 
immediately, abruptly, immediately as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon, Peter, and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and look at, there's that word, they immediately told Jesus about her. I almost think there's an inflection in that second sentence that's coming up right here where it says, so he went to her. I think there's also this intention of, so immediately Jesus must have went to her, because they immediately told Jesus about her, and it just makes natural sense to me that he would then immediately go to her. He took her by the hand, he helped her up, and the fever left her immediately. She began to wait on them. That means immediately the fever left her, not immediately she began to wait. Or maybe it means both. Immediately the fever left her, and so then immediately she just starts to rejoice, and she says, how can I serve you guys today? I feel so much better having been touched by Jesus, who's the one who speaks with authority, because he's the one in authority, right? And so that evening after sunset, the people brought all of the sick and the demon-possessed to Jesus, and the whole town gathered at the door. Now remember, this is Simon Peter's house. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now look at this. This is an odd reaction from Jesus in a lot of people's opinion. Jesus was indignant. He reached out and touched the man. And he said, I am willing. It's almost like, of course I'm willing. Be clean. And the leprosy immediately left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once, there's that word immediately again, with a strong warning. See to it that you don't tell this to anyone, but go directly to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for, you, for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But here's how good people listen to Jesus. They don't listen to Jesus back in the day any better than we listen to him today most times. But instead, the man went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news to everyone. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in the lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Now, I could do a commentary on people don't listen to Jesus any better today than they did back in the day. Because Jesus was very clear. You go to the chief priests who acted as doctors back in those days. You offer the sacrifice for your healing that Moses prescribes as a testimony to them. In other words, only tell the chief priests what's going on and show them what's going on. And this guy didn't listen to Jesus at all. He goes and tells everybody about it, right? He probably thought, oh, I'm doing a good thing. You're doing a good thing when you do what Jesus tells you to do. Not when you think you're helping him out. Never try and help out God. It always, it always, never goes good, good for you. And I often wonder what happened to that leprosy guy. I, I do. I, I don't think his leprosy came back. Maybe it did. I don't know. But I just wonder. It's like, dude, he just healed you. He gave you one thing to do, just like Adam and Eve. One thing not to do. He gave you one thing to do. One thing not to do. You couldn't do the one thing he asked you to do after he just healed you from leprosy. It just blows me the way, the way we interact with Jesus sometimes. But what I want to focus on is how Jesus interacted with the man and Jesus' side of the conversation with the man. Jesus said, of course I'm willing. Be clean. 
And so that tells us that, number two, Jesus is very more than willing to engage with people to help them and to heal them. In verse 34, it says, Jesus healed many people of various things and drove out many demons. He went to various places and he preached the good news about himself with immediate effect in people's lives. That tells me, listen church, that tells me that today Jesus is willing to do what we need him to do. Jesus is more than willing to, to be who we need him to be and to do what we need him to do in our lives, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, relational, whatever it is. Jesus is more than willing. Why? Because he told the guy, of course I'm willing. And what he said to the guy back then still applies today. Jesus is willing to help us and to heal us if we'll come to him believing who he is and believing that he is in fact willing in other words not wavering in our faith not wavering too much in our faith because i don't think anybody stands perfectly in their faith all the time i think we're human and sometimes we waver and so jesus is like you know what you don't need to come to me on your bended bow knee and beg me to do something in your life sometimes i wonder how many times christians do that how many times do we go to God and we think, man, we keep heaping our needs upon God and everything else, and God's probably getting tired of hearing, about, hearing from me of all these things. So we, we, or, or something happens in our life that is just so monstrously overwhelming to us. It seems impossible to us, and so we go to God on bended knee, begging God, would you please, if you're willing, could you do something about this? And how, like with this leprosy man, how Jesus maybe looks at us with compassion, but maybe with some indignation at the same time. He says, of course I'm willing to help you. We're in a relationship together. You're my son. You're my daughter. I get why the leper came to Jesus on knee. There was no relationship established there yet. But on this side of the cross, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are born again by his Holy Spirit, there should never, ever, ever, ever be any question of doubt in your mind that Jesus is willing to help you, to heal you, to make you whole, because he loves you so very, very much. You know, sometimes I wonder if Jesus does get a bit indignant with us. When, when we get frustrated in our faith and when we waver in our faith and we really go, God, really, do you, can you, really you're going to help us? You know, I know a guy one time that I was pastoring and, and he had one physical ailment after another. He, he frankly wasn't a very healthy guy. He started out off healthy, but then when he became an adult, he got one disease. Doctors were, were dealing with that. God actually did some miracles in his life, and then that begat into something else, and so then it was the whole thing, doctors and God and things like that. And I remember at one point the guy was getting so despondent, um, he was actually getting kind of resolved in his situation. And he looked at me and he said, not to be rude, and, and it's not that he didn't believe in God, but he just, he was having a hard time believing. Does God still care? Have I gone to God so many times with this that it's like hitting my head on the wall and I just need to stop? Is God still wanting to, to help me in this or heal me in this or whatever in this situation, whatever? And I said, dude! Because he was wondering if he was wearing God out. He was wondering if he was wearing out his welcome with God. And in the most pastoral tone of voice I could muster, I said, dude! Of course! You can never wear God out. Of course he's willing. 
Get off your knees. You don't need to beg. You're a son. You're a daughter of Almighty God, born again by His Holy Spirit, adopted into the family of God. Jesus is your brother. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. God is your Father. You, scripture says we can walk into the throne room boldly with confidence and say, Heavenly Father, we've got this need. And yes, Lord, I know I've been here before, but I'm here again. I need you to be who you are, and I need you to do what only that which you can do. I need you to heal me. Are you willing? And in those moments, we need to hear Jesus say, of course I'm willing. Sometimes I really do wonder. If, if it's not with y'all, it's, sometimes it's with me. When I look in the mirror and I wonder, does sometimes God get in a little bit indignant when I get frustrated in my faith or, or things like that? And sometimes I wonder if it balances the teeter-totter by, yes, he's compassionate, Yes, he's concerned and he's all loving and everything. So maybe it's a little bit of both. He understands where we're coming from because he's all knowing. He gets us. He understands us. Nothing we do surprises him, right? But also maybe it's a little bit indignant. Like, don't you know what I have said to you? Don't you know what my word says to you? You know, I said you will have trouble in this world, but don't lose heart. I've overcome the world, right? So when I have those moments in life where I, I feel like that metaphoric leper, so to speak, and I'm down on my knees going, oh, God, please, and everything, right? Every now and then, I have, I have felt and have heard. I know some people say they hear it in their heart, their mind, their soul. I just hear it in my being sometimes. It's like I feel God come up next to me, and he maybe gets down on one knee, and he puts his hand on the back of my shoulders and everything. He said, Rory. You just need to take me at my word and trust me with your life. Say, God, do you know about this thing? Yeah, I do. You just need to take me at my word and trust me with your life. You see, that's why it is so important to know what God's word says. Because God's word sets the expectations of our faith in God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. The, word, the foundation of our faith is the word of God. And, and I, it's, I think it's kind of like John in Revelation a little bit, where John is down on his knees, he's almost dead, Jesus touches him, and life comes back to him. I've, I've felt metaphorically that way from time to time in life, where I'm down on my knees before God, I'm just about worn out in my faith, and I hear God say, Rory, take me at my word, trust me with your life. Lord, you make it sound so simple! Rory, it is simple. I mean, it's complex. I get it. I know where you are. I know what you're going through. I know where you live. But I'm more than willing and able, and I love you so very, very much. Just trust what I say in my word. I, I, I need you to hear that. You need, you, you need to hear that from the Holy Spirit this morning with whatever it is you might be going through in life. The simplicity of take God at his word and trust him with your life. He's still on your side. He's still in command. He's still in control. He still loves you so very, very, very much. And he is willing to engage with you, to meet you where you are, and to lead you to where he wants you to be. Now, number three, the third thing we learn um, in this lesson this morning is while it stays in the context of Jesus' authority and power, we actually have to jump outside of Mark's gospel, at least where we are in chapter 1. There's a little bit of what I'm about to say in chapter 16, but we're not there yet. And so what, uh, 
we're, we're not in chapter 16, so we have to jump outside of Mark's gospel and see um, some different references as to how Jesus shares his authority and his power with us as believers. And we shared it up here on the screen with you this morning. If you jump outside of Mark's gospel and you go to Luke chapter, one, chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Jesus gave his apostles authority and power. Now, what, what he was doing here is he was sending them out. It says, when Jesus was sending out his apostles, he gave them his exousia, his executive authority, and he gave them his power. What? So they could affect change in people's lives. So they could preach the gospel with effect, and so that they could also affect change in other people's lives. And basically, he does the same thing to you and me. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, when Jesus says, all authority in heaven has been given to me, there's an intention, an, infl an, an inflection in between the end of that sentence and the beginning of the next sentence, I think, where Jesus is saying, and so now I give that to you, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says in Ephesians chapter, or we're not there yet, in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, upon you and in you is actually interchangeable right there. Because the intention is not just like the Holy Spirit rests upon us, like he did with David back in the Old Testament, but that the Holy Spirit comes in us, like Jesus talked about in John 14 and John 16. So Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power, dunamis. That's the Greek word for power, dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from, and nothing affects change like dynamite does. You will receive power, dunamis, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or comes in you. And then in Acts 16, I love this, how Paul de demonstrated that authority and power over a demon-possessed psychic girl. In Acts chapter 16, that's the day in the life of Paul when he went from pythons to prison to praise, all in one chapter, all in one day. Paul and Silas were going to the place of prayer when they were confronted by a demon-possessed girl who was possessed by a psychic spirit. Now, we get the Greek word psychic from, or we get the word psychic from the Greek word, um, it's the same word as python. I can't think of what the Greek word is, but psychic and the word python for snake both comes from the same Greek root word. And I think that's very apropos that to, for us to be able to picture what's going on here. This demon-possessed psychic girl is following Paul and Silas along as they're going to the place of prayer, and it's like the demon is coiled around her like a python squeezing her, and the demon is acting very much like the demon did back in the demon-possessed man in Mark 1. He's going behind Paul and Silas saying, these are men of the Most High God, and they're telling you how to be saved. And Paul and Silas, just like Jesus back in Mark 1, turns around and sternly, finally, has enough, and it's the intention like they turn on their heels, Paul looks right at the demon and says, be quiet and come out of her. Just like Clint Eastwood and Jesus. Come out of her. Be quiet. Right? Why? Because Paul is speaking with authority. The authority that he got from Jesus when the Holy Spirit came upon him. And he has effective power because what happens? It says the demon shuts up and comes out of her. 
So he's acting in the authority and the power that he got from being a deputized disciple of Jesus that Jesus talked about in Acts 1 that Paul got when he got born again in Acts 9. And he's showing us and demonstrating this for us in Acts 16. I love it that both Paul and Jesus are mere images of one another from Mark 1 to Acts 16. They both look at the demon. The demon is distracting everybody from them. They both look at the demon and they say, we don't, heaven doesn't need hell's press. I don't need you to be telling people about me. I don't need you to be telling people about Jesus. We don't need to get that from hell. Heaven will take care of its own social media and everything else like that. We'll do our own advertising. We'll do our own witnessing. We'll do our own pro proclaiming. You demon, shut up and come out of her right now. And the demon does. Because he was speaking as one with the authority of Jesus in Jesus' name. And that authority has power. And that's exactly what it says in Ephesians 1.19 about you and me. In Ephesians 1.19, it says the power and authority of Jesus, that, that, excuse me, that Jesus had in the Gospels is in us as believers today. The same power and authority that Jesus spoke with in Mark chapter 1, the same power and authority that Paul spoke of in Acts 16 is the same power and authority that is in you today if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. If you are born again by his Holy Spirit, if you've got a personal direct relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you have the power and the authority of Jesus and of his name in your life and on your life so that when you speak to situations and circumstances around you, like Jesus spoke, you speak as one with authority. You don't speak like a religious person, at least I hope you don't. You don't speak like a Pharisee, at least I hope you don't. You sound like Jesus, at least I hope you do. You sound like Jesus speaking as one with authority. You say, well, where's the authority come from? It comes from Jesus' name. Where's Jesus' name? In you! Where's his Holy Spirit? In you! This lines up really well with what it says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We do not walk with God. We walk with God's Holy Spirit in us everywhere we go we are not powerless people we are powerful people we are not victims although bad things do happen to good people we are victorious because god turns the bad into good for those who love him and live according to his purposes what's his purposes live in the authority and the power that he's given you in jesus christ you say i don't understand that i thought it was jesus who does everything for me if you follow it in scriptures it never departs from jesus but christians are deputized disciples who are extensions of jesus christ you are an extension of jesus christ i tell you there's only one of two ways with this church you are either in a relationship with god through jesus christ and that makes you an extension of that authority and power or you're simply just a religious person who reads the Bible and goes to church and talks about things that you can't do and talks about things that you don't talk about. And you talk about God and Jesus like third parties abstract instead of talking about God and Jesus as your absolute best friend whose Holy Spirit is within you and who's given you power and authority to speak into your life and into situations and circumstances around your life 
with that power and authority to make you victorious over those things, not victims of those things. To help you to live in spite of circumstances, not underneath the circumstances. To live as power-filled Christians, not powerless people. You know, we talked in, in prayer this morning, in the prayer time before the first service, people were praying and, and people started uh, in their prayers they started talking about and praying about things that they're seeing on television and things they're worrying about the government and worried about this worried about that worried about the other thing it became very fearful okay i for one i'm very very tired of fearful prayers because as christians i mean we just started rolling into scriptures after that because we don't want to be fearful christians we want to be fearless christians we want to live according to the faith that are the freedoms that our faith affords us in jesus christ so we just started rolling out scriptures that greater is his holy spirit in the church than anything else that's in this world that no weapon formed against us shall prosper all those who rise up against us shall fall it doesn't mean that weapons won't be formed against us but it means they won't work they won't prosper we will carry on you know what's amazing to me ever since the inception of the church back in the gospel of mark Ever since that inception, from time to time, there have been governments that have tried all over the world that have tried to wipe out Christianity. There was even a time from 70 AD to 313 AD that being a Christian was illegalized globally. Guess who is still here on the face of the earth? It is the church of Jesus Christ. Nothing that is formed against us will prosper. Everything that forms against us, stands against us, just falls. And it's not just because of you and me. It's not a human element thing. It's because we have the authority and the power of the almighty God, whose name is Jesus Christ, in us, working through us, affecting immediate impactful change in the lives and in the situations of people around us. I don't care who brings. My thing is just bring it. Bring it. Because we're, we've, we've got staying power, church. The church of Jesus Christ, Christianity, will be on the face of this earth only and until the day that God decides to rapture us away. That's when we leave. That's when we're done. Until then, Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 9 or 19 to occupy until he comes. I, for one, have every intention of continuing to occupy this corner of God's earth. Who's with me this morning? We're going to keep living as faith-filled Christians in a fear-filled world. Hallelujah! And I want to spread that and extend that freedom that our faith affords us to everybody around us. It's called evangelism. It's called being endued with the authority and power of God to lead people to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and become part of the family of God and replace the fears that they have with a faith-filled power and authority of God in Jesus Christ. I am so far off script right now, it's amazing. You see, we are deputized disciples of Jesus Christ. Do you get that? We are deputized disciples. It's another way to refer to Christians. Say, what does that mean, I'm a deputized disciple of Jesus Christ? There was a police officer one day who was getting ready to effect an arrest. And the thug was like, whoa, what right do you have to arrest me? This, that, and the other thing, blah, 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 blah. And the cop didn't raise his voice, kept us cool. You know, well-trained police officers are really good at this. They're good at controlling the situations and diffusing loud conversations because they never raise their voice once they have the other guy's attention. You know, what right do you have to arrest me? This, that, and the other thing. The police officer si simply looked at the guy and in a very matter-of-fact tone said, I, the, the, I have the power and the authority to arrest you by the badge on my chest and the gun in my hand. 
You see, that's understanding your authority and your power as a deputy. That badge on a police officer's chest is a representation of the authority that is vested in them, either in a state, in a city, in a county, whatever it may be, federally, whatever. That badge is the exousia, executive authority, that they have to enforce the laws. And the gun is their dynamite, is their dunamis. You know, I, I think I told you that the Greek word for power is dunamis. That's where we get the word dynamite from. And nothing affects change more than dynamite. Like, just light off a stick of TNT one time and see what change happens immediately with immediate effect. Well, see, that's the power and the authority that we have in our lives because of Jesus Christ in our lives. That when we speak, we don't have to get all riled up and hoop, holler, and yell and all that stuff. We can stay cool, calm, collected, and, and know that we are in command and control in Jesus' name when we simply speak with authority to whatever that situation or circumstance is. In Jesus' name, we take control over it. I'm not going to live under that circumstance. I'm going to live in spite of that circumstance. I'm not going to live as powerless because I know I'm power-filled. I'm not going to live as a victim, although life would want to kick me down, knock me down, and keep me down from time to time. I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to live victoriously. I'm going to live as a victorious person in Jesus Christ because God makes winners. He doesn't make whiners, and I'm not going to be a whiner when God's made me to be a winner and a worshiper of him in spirit and in truth. I'm going to live according to the authority and the power of Jesus Christ and his name in my life. You see, that's what we learn from this conversation, these two conversations uh, with Jesus, with Christ in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. We learn that there is a God who loves us, who cares about us, who's more than willing to help us and engages with us and shares with us his power and his authority so that we can speak into our lives today with power and with authority in Jesus' name. And you know, that's the name of the God we're talking about in the Bible, isn't it? There's a God out there who loves us, who cares about us, who's willing to engage with us and help us and who shares his power and authority with us. And his name is Jesus Christ. That's what we learn this week from these two conversations with Christ. That God loves you. He cares about you. He engages with you. He's willing to help you. And he's already shared with you his authority in life and his power in life. So you can live powerful, not powerless. So you can live victoriously over things, not a victim under them so that you can live and thrive and survive more than survive in spite of the circumstances, not captive under the circumstances. Because greater is God's Holy Spirit in you than anything else that's in this world. And if that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, Scripture says he will quicken your mortal bodies too. That's what we learned this week from these two conversations with Christ. Now, let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's go live and do what God's word says. Let's live as winners this week in Jesus' name. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet, and it is an incredible light to our path. You are so kind. You are so gracious. There is no God like you. There is no God who is more loving than you, more gracious than you, more kind and compassionate than you, even when, if you become indignant with us from time to time, and I totally get that, Lord. There's no God who shares his authority and his power with people 
like you or other than you. So, Lord Jesus, our prayer this week is, I just want to be faithful at living in the authority and the power of your name in my life. I don't need to yell at situations and circumstances because I'm not trying to prove to anybody I'm in control. I'm just going to act like it. I'm just going to be it. I'm going to speak to things in your name. I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to speak as one with authority, which means I'm going to stay uh, in control. And I'm going to say, in Jesus' name, mountains be moved. In, in Jesus' name, this change, that change. In Jesus' name, protection. In this change, that change. Healing. In Jesus' name, this or that. Help. Whatever it may be, Lord, help me to live in the authority and the power of your name in my life today. So like how you speak as one with authority, I can also, as one of your deputized disciples, I can speak with the authority of your name in my life too. Thank you, Father, for sharing your glory with us, sharing your authority with us, and sharing your power with us. Now help, help us to live up to that this week, Lord Jesus, in your name. And everybody said? Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening this morning. I hope you enjoyed that because I certainly did. Now, here's what's coming up next at New Promise Church. Today, we want to celebrate and thank Shar Kish for all her many years of service as she steps back from her full-time role in the office. There will be cake for everyone in the lobby after both services. On Wednesday night, July 14th, Greg Hillis and the Lake Effect Concert Band will be performing in Chardon Square at 7 p.m. Bring a lawn chair and a picnic dinner to enjoy while listening to this beautiful music. For more information, see Greg or Amy Hillis. Does the phrase, we need teachers, make you nervous, but you love working with kids? We're looking for two helpers, not teachers, in two of our rooms. We need one in the two and three-year-old room and one in our four and five-year-old room. Please see Amy Taddeo or Don Pachowski today. Thank you. The Fish Fest will be Sunday, August 8th at Brookside Reservation Park. Tickets are just $10, but admission is limited to the first 15,000 people. To buy your tickets online, go to www.thefest.us. Help us spread the news of the NPJ Care opening on September 1st. Take a postcard from the welcome desk to give to a friend or to put on a bulletin board. Fusion is welcoming 6th and 7th graders into the youth group on Wednesday, July 14th with a cookout and fire at Matthew and Sarah Arnold's house from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Also, Fusion will be having their second annual kickball tournament next Sunday, July 18th at the Kirtland Community Center from 6 to 8 p.m. If you have any questions, please see Pastor Nick Everett. Next Sunday, the Miller family will be here speaking in both services about what God is doing in their ministry and mission work. Thank you for being here today at New Promise Church. Have a great and blessed week. Well, good morning. As you just heard, uh, our children's department is looking for two helpers. So it's not the teacher role, it's just the helper role. Uh, Amy and Don are so organized and so detailed back there, it's easier than you think. So if you would love to help in that area, we would love that. We'd appreciate that so much. And as you just heard as well, we are honoring uh, Shar today as she steps off staff and with the beautiful cake out there. So I pray that you are able to stay around and give her a hug and uh, have a piece of cake. So let's pray before we leave. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for your word. It is so powerful in our lives, Lord Jesus. It gives us direction for every day of our lives, Lord. And people are looking for answers to their questions or how to live their life, how to live a purpose-driven life, Lord. They just need to go to your word. And you have all the answers in there, Lord Jesus. 
And Lord, if there's someone here today, if there's someone listening online who says, I don't know, I don't know that, I don't have that peace, I don't, I have fear in my life, Lord. It's as easy as saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins. I turn from my past, Lord, I turn from my wicked ways, and I want you to be my Lord and Savior. It's that easy, Lord, and, and people, when they pray that, Lord Jesus, they instantly have your peace, and they know your love. So, Lord, I pray that if anyone did that today, that they would instantly know that, and they would begin to have that power in their life. Lord, we are just so thankful for your word today, the conversations with Christ from Mark. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. And so, Lord, now I just pray that you be with us as we go our separate ways this next week in our lives, with work, with school, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, I pray that you be with us and lead and guide us and put your hedge of protection around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming out today. Have a great week. Thank you for coming this morning. Please stay and help us stack the chairs after the service.